Betov. So yesterday we did two very important things. We began a lot of important things. Number one is we established the levels of negligence required or lack thereof required for liability for an Adam Hamazik. Nezek seemed to be in the Gemara even if you're honest, have absolutely no negligence. Uh, the other payments of Tsar, Nezek, and Ripoy of the Chavala for personal injury, you needed to be negligent. Uh, Ruach Metsuya said the Gemara, but you didn't need to have Kavana. And Boshet, um, you needed to actually have intention. Intention not necessarily to cause embarrassment, but intention to be mazik. So that's very important in terms of the base level of fault needed for Adam HaMazik. But then we began the Sugya yesterday, the new Perek, that spoke about that if you break a pitcher in Rishos Harabim, um, you would, and you're a person, you're not a Mamazik, you would be exempt if we assume that ain't dark and shabani Adam Lipponing Bedrachim, if people don't normally look where they're going. So it is, you know, there's a debate whether we say people normally or don't normally look where they're going. If they do normally look where they're going, then it would have to be a special case, like nighttime or whatever. But in circumstances in which it's either not the norm for you to watch, be watching out or not normal for you to be, or somehow circumstances don't allow you to watch out, you're exempt if you break something in Rishas Harabim. So whatever happened to Adam Olam, right? That seems like a direct contradiction to what we taught, and it leads to two important positions in the Rishonim. Tosus, it says, we say Adam is Olam, we don't really mean it. We really mean that you don't need full negligence, but you still certainly need a certain degree of negligence, and if you're a total honest, you're exempt. Um, that's what Tosa says. Um, and um, Ramban, who says, no, Adam is Mu'ad Olam, but if you're stepping on somebody's picture in Rishos Harabim, and they know that people don't look where they're going, then they shouldn't have put their picture in Rishos Harabim to begin with. So when it's contributory negligence, Pshiyat then that's why you're exempt. So the issue about whether you normally watch where you're going is not to establish that you had the basic, the, the minimum nev- ne- level of negligence required. We don't need to have any negligence. It was to establish that this person was negligent by putting it there because they should have been aware that they were asking for trouble because you don't normally watch where you're going. Okay, so that's very, very important in terms of Adam Olam, according to Tosos, Tosos, um, uh, the Shmuel Amar, um, Tosa says that actually you do need a certain degree of negligence and Ramban says you do not but Pietanizak exempts you. Now the Gemara, now we turn to a uh, critical discussion in the Gemara which has broad am- 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 uh, ramifications which is a discussion of can a person take the law to his own hands? We'll see in a minute why this is being brought up. It has to do with how we interpreted the Mishnah earlier but the basic question was somebody was uh, drawing water from a well on a day that wasn't his there was takes times of taking turns on a well and the other guy hit him with the shovel and uh, the question was what type of a fine should we pay that person pay for hitting him with a shovel and the answer was um, that he shouldn't have to pay any fine uh, Rav Nachman said he shouldn't have to pay any fine because he, he, he could be he was protecting his own interests and he was taking the law into his own hands and even if we say a person normally is not allowed to take the law into their own hands they are when the Mokom they are when they are about to then they would suffer a loss if they would wait to call the cops okay so if you wait to call the cops and you can completely recover the loss that's a debate then can you take the law into your own hands right now but if you know that there will be a definite loss without doing something now everybody says you can't take the law into your own hands so let's take a look so now we are going to enter into that discussion okay so um the Gemara says like this um uh 
Okay, the Itmar. We'll start. Rev Yehuda Amar. Is the line starts the word Amar? It is uh, about eleven lines from the bottom. Two Amars. It's the first one. Rev Yehuda Amar. Lo avidi nishkinulafke. A person is not allowed to take the law into their own hands. Rev Nachman Amar avidi nishkinulafke. You are allowed to take the law into your own hands. Heichu di ikap seida. Now the Gemara repeats. If there's a loss, if you're going to wait to call the cops, suffer the loss, try to recoup it in court. Kuliyamalo pligi da avidi nishkinulafke. Nobody would dis- Nobody would argue that you could go ahead and take the law into your own hands. When there's no loss, since there's no loss, go to the courts, go to the basin. Since you're acting properly, you're just protecting your own property. We don't make you go through that effort. Now, of course, what's also interesting is what about the loss in terms of the court costs? What about the loss in terms of the loss of time from your work in order to argue the case, right? But that seems to be no, that's exactly what they're debating. Do you need to go through that effort that it takes to actually argue the case in court? Or is that enough of a reason? Like, why should I need to have to go fight it in court? I'm protecting my own interests. Okay? Now, um, there is, you know, let's read the sugya first and then we'll discuss, like, what some of the logic is behind why you should be allowed versus, you know, why you shouldn't be allowed. Let's take a look at some of the cases. Okay? Mazi Rav Kahana. So Rav Kahana, Mazi Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana asks, Ben Bagba Gomer, Ben Bagba says, Alti Kanes do not go in you know that somebody has stolen your object or is refusing to return your object don't try to sneak into his house to, to steal it back okay without permission maybe you'll appear like a thief you know and um, does that mean that you'll it's about appearances does that mean that you'll yourself sort of train yourself you know with these habits of being a thief but it's not proper in terms of your own midot and in terms of your perception in the community and how and so on to go ahead and act in this type of deceiving, deceitful, thieving way. So even though you're acting justly, don't sort of steal into his place to, re- to retrieve it. Okay? Ella, rather, Schwarzenegger, if you can do it, do it honestly. Break his teeth. The, oh, you know, knock him in the, give him a, you know, yeah, yeah exactly, you know, well, sock him in the face. The Omelo shall be in your adult. You know, don't go in the middle of the night and try to sneak in, knock on the door, punch him out, and walk in straight. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, you see, you're not allowed to do it in a way that's about thieving and whatever. That's obviously deceitful and all those other things. But if you're clear about what you're doing, you're coming to retrieve your property, you're allowed, you're allowed to take the toe, even if using a force, which is pretty interesting. So Amarlay, so he said back to him, Yeah, fine, you have Ben Bagbag on your side. He has a single opinion. He's a minority opinion. I believe that the rabbis argue on him. He doesn't show that the rabbis argue on him, but I'm going to assume that the rabbis argue on him. Okay. Now, by, so, uh, by the way, all the questions of Avidinish Lunafche are ones in which the other side is somehow suffering as a result. You're causing injury to their person, to their object, and so on. Okay? Because otherwise, if the other side isn't suffering as a result, right? I mean, like, if let's say you have, uh, you stole my, uh, my wallet, and you're sitting here at the table, and you turn your face in my wallet right there, I'm going to, why shouldn't I be able to take it right back? It's my wallet, right? So the problem is that there's, I'm doing something that's in violation if it's just the act of retrieving my object, and it's my object, of course I'm allowed to take my object. Okay? If, but their point is that 
there's some other thing that I'm violating in the process of trying to get it. I'm trespassing. I'm punching you in the face. I'm taking, you know, I'm damaging your property and so on. Okay, so anyway, this idea here that you're punching the guy in the... By, by well, way, the first two cases... You can just go take it back. And like I said, you can't go into the guy's house and, and steal it back. You can't steal it back. That's because then you're, you're, you're acting in a thieving way. But if you're honest and straightforward about it, you can punch the guy out. Okay, so in two cases now, we have you using force. Hitting the guy with the shovel and punching the guy in the face. And we're going to allow the actual use of force for you to protect your property. Okay, what we won't allow is this like thieving, deceitful type of an approach. Yeah. All right, yes. What about the damage caused to that other person? Like today we have guns. Right. You know, somebody says, I'm going to take it and he shoots the gun. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's a really good question, meaning that's why I'm pointing it out because you might, you and I might have said, maybe I've been seen a lot say if it's, I don't know, if you have to cause uh, damage to the person's property, but damage actually the person, like personal damage and how far does that go? Right. So that's exactly what I wanted to put out there, that that's a big hit. Exactly. What? Like broken nose or broken teeth? Yeah, broken teeth. <laughs> teeth, right, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a very big chiddish. Like, it's one thing to say you could do it, you know, and maybe even damage the person's property in the process, but damage the person's person, and how far would you take that? Okay, so let's take, I mean, are all these things, because they're, they're, like, they're, like, not permanent damage? I mean, it's what she of, like, well, she of, depends if that's figurative, right? It means knock him out, or does it literally mean knock out his teeth? So, okay, so let's take a look. Um, okay, Rav so Rav says, no, I'm going to even try to get Ben Bagbag to not be saying um, that this idea that uh, you so can actually Kanani use force. We'll get to have a Kanani in a minute. Okay, I, I don't know. Yes. Anyway, Rav Yanayamar, my shwerch, you know, what does it mean break his teeth? Bedin. Nah, he doesn't, Ben Bagbag doesn't literally mean knock him out. It means bring, schlep him to court. Say to him, I'm retrieving my object. Only will me violate. It should be the court says to him, Shaliani no telling should be I'm taking my object. Shalo no tell. We're retrieving. We're retrieving his ob- here his object. Me violate should have said Kasha. Okay, that's difficult because it's obviously not what Ben Bagbug said. Okay, Tashma. Anyway, so you got Ben Bagbug that says punch him out. Okay, come in here. And that was the case with Lekapseda, right? There was no evidence there that if this object was staying in that guy's yard, you were losing money as a result. You just did it in order. So you didn't tell why should I bother going to court? Okay, Tashma come in here. Sure, Sha'ala Gabi go. A ox goes on top of another ox in the attempt to kill the uh, bottom ox. So the owner of the bottom ox doesn't want his ox to get killed. The Shamat he pulled his his ox out from below. And the top one fell and died. Potter, he's exempt from damages because he was just protecting his own object. So my love, the muad lekapseda. Presumably, we're talking even if the top ox is habitual. So you could totally recover, right? The difference muad is you get full damages. Time you get half, right? So you could totally recover your full damages in court. And even though you'd be able to fully recover your damages in court, you don't have to wait to court. And you can go ahead and protect your own object. You know, even though it is uh, you're going to cause damage to the other person's property. So the Gemara says. So you see, you're allowed to avidinish to the Lo the tam the no, we're talking about a case of a Tom where there is a loss, and that's why you're allowed to do it, because you'd only recover half. So let's look at the end of that breakdown. Um, if you push the top one off, then you are chayav, because that is considered, well, we'll ask why in a minute, but that's different than pulling out your own. If it's a case of a Tom, am I chayav? 
Why are you chayev? Meaning the Gemara assumes, if it was, the way Tosis explains, is that if it was a muad and you were going to get your full recovery, then you were able to be a little calmer about it. Because at the back of your mind, you know, even if I don't save my animal, I'll be able to recover damages. So then we could demand from you, don't directly push his animal off, just take your animal from below. But if it's a case of a time where you really are going to lose half of the damage, then you're very anxious, right? You're very rushed. You're really trying to, to save some permanent loss that you might incur. So the Gemara says, is it really meaningful? To, is it really like feasible to ask him to only pull out his animal rather than to push the top one? Why are we making this distinction? And the Gemara says, yes, even so it is. Because you should have, yes, even in that case, even though you're, you're, you're you're anxious because of a, you might suffer a loss, we sell you, you should have pulled the bottom one out rather than pushed the top one off. Now let's pause for a moment. Why does it matter? At the end of the day, you are protecting your property. You are like, why, like, why is there this difference? Um, you know, what do, and let me ask this other question. Are we presuming that if you pull the bottom one out, it would have, the top would have suffered less damage? Is the reason because when you push the top one off, you're, you're doing more damage than necessary? So the idea of Avadin Nishlanach is that you're only allowed to do the absolute minimum amount of necessary damage in order to achieve your goals? Okay, that's one way of understanding it, yes? I thought the question of Avadin Nishlanach was essentially once, once something has been committed, can you go ahead and take the money yourself? Right. You wait to, to go to base and then there'll be some loss in, in between. Right. Or maybe something... Well, that's an Ecop Seda scenario, right. Right, if there were a loss between. But whereas this is a case where it's you're actually affecting the you, you're affecting the you're actually affecting the case itself and you're affecting the its outcome. So can you intervene so that you I mean that's, I think it's more questionable. Can you intervene so that you minimize your own loss? Right. Or your own outcome. Um well, I'm not understanding. How is this different than the case of a guy taking the water when it's not his day? He's going to take the water, and I'm going to suffer loss because my plants won't get watered or whatever, and I'm trying to prevent that case from happening. I mean, you're right. There's types of an Avedin Islam where I'm trying to prevent myself from suffering the loss in the first place, and there's a time when I'm trying to recover something because the lack of recovering it will cause a loss, right? But so, so far we've had both. Like, the case of the well was preventing, and the case of this was the recovering. But anyway, but your point is if you're trying to prevent it then you think you should have more license or because you're or less license or less. I mean uh-huh. because you're, you're you know, you're you're setting up the damages. You're setting right. up the, the, the and so maybe you can only intervene in that case with your own with your own shore, not someone else's. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. There are preemptive cases, but this case is, is uh, seems to be different in the sense that there's no guarantee that the uh, ox, the above ox is gonna fall and get hurt. Right. That's the case you're you're hitting the guy. Right. You're, gonna, you're clearly doing something. Right. Here you're doing something that should be within your right to protect your right. own property preemptively. Right. Or not the actual right. of them. But you, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Right. So I think that that's, I mean, I think that those are the questions to ask, meaning is the difference between the top, you, you could say the difference between the top and the bottom is that the top is going to cause more damage and you have to try to minimize the damage. Then you have to ask when I'm knocking out a sea, I mean, when he says, when before he said, like, let him hit him a hundred times with a shovel, right, doesn't sound like you have to like be, be you know, so hyper precise about exactly the minimum amount that I need to do to achieve it it does seem like the difference is more how not because it's likely to cause more damage but how we frame what you're doing right is what you're doing protecting your property or is what you're doing actually seen as like you know somehow you know 
damaging the other person's property. So, and like in most cases, you can't draw the line. Like if I gotta if I gotta knock you in, knock your face in in order to get into your house, or you know, or hit you, right? There was no alternative. But here, where there's an alternative, it's like if you were just protecting your property, you would have seized your ox. If you're so, the fact that you're doing the act on some other thing makes it less that you're protecting your own thing. But it's still hard to see why that should make such a difference, right? Right. But here they're saying if the ox is a um, muad and you know you're going to get your money back anyway, then you probably don't have the right to do that without the whole tircha having to go replace your ox. I mean, instead of well, that's the point. Out. But that's the issue. The issue is, is the tircha of having to be without my, uh, you know, sort of wait to recover it in court, fight it in court, all those things. Now, if the tircha, if the reality is, was that with the absence of my ox, I'm not going to get my plow, my field plowed, that would be each seda. But if the only problem is that I have to spend all that time in court, that seems to be exactly the debate. Well, now, what it's worth doing is now is pausing. Anyway, so to get back, to get back, the point is, is that, look, the Gemara presumably, since it phrases it as Hayalo presumably would mean in a scenario where it was not reasonable, where you needed to push off the top ox, or it wasn't reasonable to try to focus on the bottom one, then of course you'd be entitled. That's like, I gotta punch the guy's face in to get to it. But when it was, when it was, when it really was feasible to grab the bottom one, then pushing the top is not defi- makes it that I'm not just doing an act of protecting my property. It redefines the nature of the act, seems to be. Let's take a minute, though, and appreciate what seems to be being laid out here as the justification for Avidin Nishtinu Lanafshe. What seems to be the justification for Avidin Nishtinu Lanafshe is your right to protect, you know, your, you, you know, of like, to protect, to protect your property. Right? Like, it's sort of like, you know, it's like, if you're coming to steal from me, you know, the whole sort of what? Yeah, the whole case of Baba Makhtera. Somebody's coming to tunnel in and to steal from me. Right? I'm allowed to stand up to, why don't we say, ah, oh, well, you know, but if I stand up to him, he, he then he's going to be want, trying to kill me, and then I'll make him into a I'll make him into a road day, but then I'm allowed to kill him. I don't understand. Why don't I just let him take my property? Why should I turn the whole case into a case that he's going to now try to kill me? So the point is, it starts from a position that you have the right to protect your property and to actually use force. Let's say you're coming at me, right, and you're coming to steal my thing. Am I allowed to punch you to stop you from stealing my thing? We don't say it's yocholat seal be'echad me'var if you're taking them. No, I'm allowed to use force to stop you from stealing from me, right? So if we start with that assumption, right, if I need to use force, I'm allowed to. So here, the question is, let's just view it as the same thing. You've got my object, right? Your continued holding of my object means you're continuing to steal my property. And I'm just using force to protect my, to protect my property. That's a way of looking at it, particularly if it's ikapseda. If I'm actually losing money as a result of it, right, then I'm just trying to protect myself. And that could be the question, how much am I really, is it continued when there's no direct monetary loss, but the loss of taking the case to the court? Or is it just the reality that you're holding Holding on to my property is itself seen as an act of I'm just protecting what is mine. Jonathan, you don't buy it. Off track, but just just the muddy water. One presumes it's happening or shoots around. Um, it's not clear. You're walking down the street and shoots around. I got my pots all over the place, and you're about to step on one of my pots. Yeah. So I push you out of the way. No, but that's Priyatanizak also. I mean, then you have a right to do that if you were to blame for the for what's about to happen. I mean, that's raising a separate question. I got my pots all. I thought we determined that you really can't put your pots all over the place. Right. Someone else's progress. 
you can't. But we're going to get to that case in a minute. Well, my question yeah. is, in the case of the shovel, right? So I take your wallet, you know, then you want, it's fine. So then you're coming in with, the, you know, whatever it is, you know, to like try to beat me to get it back. So I see you bearing down on me with the shovel, and, and then I punch you because right. I don't want to be hit by this. But you, right. You, so am I, am I higher now? Right. So that's no, a... I'm going to defend myself against you. <laughs> right. Why am I defend myself against you trying to be... That's, yeah, that is a very good question. You're right. We haven't dealt with that. If the guy tries to fight back, right, what's his liability? That's a good question. I, I, so I, 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 there's, it's definitely discussed. I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but it's definitely discussed. But I want to say, so that's why, as, you, as, as both of you have pointed out, we're dealing with two cases. One is preventing damage, and one is recouping property, right? But, and if the fact that we're looking at all the same might point us to the idea that is conceptually the idea of using force to protect your own property. And does that apply if there's no direct loss as a result it's only but nevertheless your property is in somebody else's hands but the Mordechai says for example he says let's say we're dealing that the actual concrete we're not dealing with a specific concrete object that the other person has let's say you went ahead and you uh, borrowed a hundred dollars from me and then you're, 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 you're lying and you're, you're never returning it can I go ahead and steal into you know go into your house and take a hundred dollars out of your wallet okay so he would that be other than the last day and he says absolutely you're not allowed to do it now the reason he says you're not allowed to do it is he basically says that then that will lead to a complete you know falling apart of the uh, social fabric here you're completely undermining your right because everybody's stealing from everybody else and saying they're coming to recover some type of a loss but besides that the point is that the conceptual idea that I it's my property that you are destroying and taking and seizing right so here the property's already been taken and it's no longer in existence it's, uh, it's money it's been used and so on I want to now get paid back compensation not protecting my property but compensation compensation is something you have to go through the courts about right so that's I think a very important way of thinking that this idea is basically when you have a concrete object of yours that's being taken by somebody else or in somebody else's possession and you're protecting it that's a way of understanding how obviously works it would not work if you're just trying to get compensated of course the flip side of all of this is that this undermines you know the uh, it creates anarchy it undermines the courts and their authority and so on and creates anarchy and what is exactly the balance there um, and that's the but, but that's, the, that's the other side I should say that the other approach of this rather than seeing it as the idea of self-protection is what the Rambam says Rambam says he has this in Hilchot Sanhedrin and the Rambam says a basin is made up of three but really you can have a basin of one and then he says and that's why because you can basically be a basin of one okay now what exactly happened to the idea that you're a little bit of I don't know but somehow the Rambam actually understands that it really is Dina it's really not like you know as opposed to us we're looking at it like in a Bubba Kama sense like you're about to damage me I can do what can I do to protect myself from being damaged or even if the object's already in your property what can I do to protect my property right the Rambam is looking at oh in a Sanhedrin sense here I am I'm a die and I know all the facts and I'm going to go ahead and do my own so according to the Rambam maybe it could even be to get compensated maybe it's not just to protect concrete property very strange idea but that's the way the Rambam frames it let's continue in the Gemara I know yeah that's what I said yeah he doesn't explain it yeah okay so the Gemara says like this okay Tarshma coming here um if you fill up your friend's yard, there you go, Jonathan, with these uh, these barrels of uh, wine and of oil. Um, so the owner of the uh, yard who needs to get into his house can break them going in and break them going out. So, 
indiscriminately. Okay, so that seems to be, so why is it a case of hefzid? Just go to court and get the court to remove it. So you could say, what do you mean? I want to go to sleep. I want to use my house. Isn't that a hefzid? But anyway, Amr of Nachman, by Yitzhak, Meshavar V'yotzei Lebeis, Meshavar Nechtas Lavi Zuchuyoshav. Yes, actually it means he's going in and out and he breaks them because in order to bring the case to court, he's got to go ahead and get out of his house or he's got to go into his house to get whatever, you know, uh, evidence he has that it's his yard. All right, I mean, the, you could have said, I think you could have said that it's just a case of Hefseid. That if I'm not able to use my house, it's a Hefseid case. Tashma, How do you know that an Evid Evi who's been working for you until the Yovel, that you pierced his ear, so he's been with you a very long time, and now, Virabu Misari and the owner is, is sort of urging him to go, right? And he doesn't want to go. Maybe he's now gotten old, the slave, who doesn't want to leave even after this amount of time. Okay. The Chavo, the Asabo Chabura, and in order to get him to leave, the master uh, hits him and makes a wound. How do you know, Shupatra, that the master is exempt? Okay, Tamad Omar, Lo Siku Kofir Lashuv. It says, Lo Siku Kofir Lanefesh Rotseach Lashuv Lir Miklato. So we're reading it. I say, thank you. Lanusi Yemakla Lashuv Lashavrat, thank you. Okay, so do not take uh, an atonement payment, Lashuv. Lo Siku Kofir Lashav. Don't take a Kofir for somebody who should be, that means either who is staying here when he should be leaving, or somebody who should be returning to his ancestral home and is refusing to return. Anyway, we learn it from a Pasuk. But anyway, you see that it's a type of that you are trying to, you know, get him out of your house, protect, I mean, you know, his... But that's uh, insane, right? Because he's like eating from my food. Right, exactly, exactly. That's what Gemara's going to say. No, because you could just stop feeding him. But, you know, but presumably, so okay, but he, he's still going to be let out, you know, living in the slave quarters. Maybe I want to put somebody else up there. Anyway, the Gemara, one easily imagines that the Gemara could have uh, said that there was other types of Pseida, but the Pseida the Gemara focuses on is your fate he's going to steal from you. So the Gemara says, uh, where was it? Uh, I don't understand. How did you uh, tolerate him until now? So until now, presumably, he wasn't stealing. No. Until now, you were his master, and therefore he was afraid. Now he doesn't, doesn't have the fear of the master. So anyway, the kids are keeping him around. You're afraid it actually is going to be a case of some type of a loss. Okay, remember Yitzhakabar, the Evachimasul Rabashivcha Knanis, that he was married to a, not, uh, not married, but whatever, he was having, uh, sleeping with a non Jewish uh, maidservant, which you're allowed, an Evid Ivri is allowed to do. Ada Idna Hetera, until now, was permissible because he had a status of an Evid Ivri. Vashi Surah now is forbidden, and therefore you are using violence not to protect your property, but this really is a Sanhedrin discussion about the use of violence to protect, to stop somebody from doing an Avera, okay, which is a separate discussion, which we won't get into. All right, so now the Gemara says like this, Tashma, and this is why we're bringing it in here. Hameniach esakad, so you leave it in Rishit Rabim, and somebody comes and trips on it and breaks it he's exempt okay and that we discussed is because Adam is not really Mudla Olam because you were negligent but anyway the reason he's exempt is because he accidentally tripped on it if he intentionally broke it he'd be Chayev and we're now implicitly importing you know Rav's position earlier that is you fill the whole Rishit Rabim with these pictures 
Okay, remember this was the question we asked yesterday. So if you fill the Hovashid Aram with the pictures, then he should be allowed to break it intentionally because he wants access to the Rashid Arabim. He needs to get through the Rashid Arabim. So the fact that you, you, he is still going to be liable shows that, uh, shows that lo abidi nishtinil nafsheh. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, um, uh, where were we? Hashibachayv. Amar azvi mishmed rava. Who had din afilu shibra? No, even if you broke it, you're okay. The haidik tani nitko. I did kabayi lemitzin sefer in huzak balabayis balabayis chayis denitko. Since the end is going to say that if you if you got damaged by the pot, the owner of the pot has to pay you. So that in in that case, dafka nitko. That's only if you accidentally tripped on it. Alashibra, if you got damaged because you intentionally broke it, low. Then he doesn't have to pay you. Who azik anafshe? You brought it upon yourself. Tani reishen nitko. So therefore it says nitko, but the reality is, if the Rashida Rabbim is filled with pots, and I have to get through, I am allowed to intentionally go ahead and break the pots in order to get through. Okay? Um, so, um, okay, so that's, well, now again, the interesting question is, right, is that considered to be Makam Seda or not Makam Seda? Right? It sounds like the Gemara considers it to be not Makam Seda, because it's asking it only on the one position that says, right, everybody agrees Makam Seda would be allowed. Right? So the fact that the, uh, but anyway, so it's interesting why is that not Makum Seda like you're preventing my use of Rishi Sarabim right so it's interesting whether the Gemara was considering that to be not Makum, to be Makum Seda or not but either way the Gemara says you really are allowed to go ahead and break it okay now the Gemara continues um Okay, Tashma, the Katsotas Kapa, Mamon. So this is where we learn out the idea of Boshet, the woman who's intervening when her husband is fighting another man, and she grabs the other man by his privates. It says cut off her hand, which you say doesn't literally mean that. It means you pay the cost of Boshet. So, here's the interesting question, which you all ask. I think it's the, this is the obvious question you ask when you read the Psukim. What did she do that was wrong? She was trying to protect her husband. And that was Avidinishtinil and Afsheh. Okay? So the Gemara says, My love, Besheni Presumably it means this was the only thing she could do to stop the other guy from beating up her husband. And therefore, it is a case of why should she have to pay? Now, by the way, presumably, here's an interesting question. Before we were asking is, does allow you so much to injure another person, personal injury? And it seems like yes. Here's another question. Let's say I can recoup, you're going to beat me up, and I can recoup all those things, Tsar, Nezek, Shevet, Repoy, Boshet, etc. Would you call that Ekapseda or Lekapseda? I would still call it Ekapseda. Excuse me. Me being beaten up, it's not a piece of property that at all, in the end, I'm going to get my money back, right? Even if you pay me, right? I mean, certainly if it's a permanent injury, then you could say you're never really recovering it. But regardless, any type of personal injury, you would think is a case of Ekapseda, right? I would think so. Anyway, it's interesting, again, that the Gemara is asking this presumably assuming that it's a case of lekapseda, which I don't really understand. Okay, but anyway, the Gemara says maybe because it's all it is, it's not actual injury, it's just embarrassment. But nevertheless, most people I think would rather not be embarrassed than be embarrassed and get compensated for it. Okay, I guess it depends how big the compensation is. Anyway, so the Gemara, presumably thinking that this is a case of lekapseda, says, look, how come you have to, how come you weren't allowed to do it? If presumably it's a case you had no alternative, and never Nevertheless, 
presumably because it's a case of lack of seda. Okay, actually, forget it. The, the guy she's grabbing the private is embarrassed, but she's trying to protect her husband from actual personal injury. So to me, that would really seem to be a case of uh, of uh, of ikap seda. Anyway, so it's not clear why the Gemara is only asking it according to the position of lack of seda. But anyway, the Gemara says, so why is it? It must be a case that she couldn't do anything else, and it should be avidinishnulase, so she shouldn't have to pay. So the Gemara says, my love, the sheni yechol no alternative. No, she could have done it in some other way, and therefore, this is sort of like pulling the cow out from under, like, but this is actually not focusing on one object versus the other. It's you could have done it in a, you, if you overstep the bounds of what was necessary, you're no longer doing din. Now you're going excessive, and therefore you are not allowed to do that, and you have to pay. So the Gemara says, Are you telling me that if she had no alternative, she's be, she would be exempt by, by seizing this guy's privates? The end of that price it teaches, the Pazak says she sends forth her hand. Partly Shaliyah Bastin. That excludes the case when she gets a Shaliyah Bastin to uh, somebody from the court intervenes, then he's going to be exempt. The court officer would be exempt. So the Gemara says, if that's true, why does it only exempt the court officer? Why not just say that there are cases even with her that she's exempt? When does she have to pay? She could have saved her husband through some less drastic means. If she could have saved her husband through less drastic means, she'd be exempt because of why not say that? You know what? It is saying that. When is she liable if she could have saved her husband through less drastic means? If she could have done that, then then she's acting like an officer of the court, uptura, and she's exempt. So when it says an officer of the court is exempt, it really means that when you are when you're acting properly to protect yourself, you become like an officer of the court. So this last line, by the way, you know, although the Gemara just does it to get away from the evidence of the Brayta, supports a Rambam idea. Actually sees you as, oh, not you're okay because you're protecting your property. What you're doing is seen as acting on behalf of the court. Okay? So that's actually a very interesting framing. By the way, I'm waiting for somebody to ask me, why is this Dina Lanafsha? She's protecting her husband. She's not protecting herself. Okay? Now, could you say, you know, you know, protecting your family, protecting your kids, all those are things that it is protecting yourself. So let me ask you a question. Let's say it's a real third party. Let's say I know know here, you know, that uh, Charlie has been holding on to, uh, you know, Hillel's wallet and denying that he has it, and I go ahead and I see that, I see it on Charlie's property, and, you know, Hillel can't come and get it, but I finally have an opportunity to get it. Can I knock out Charlie's teeth and retrieve and retrieve it, right? So if you think it's like the Rambam, that you're actually a basting of one, then maybe you could even do it for somebody else, although then you start getting real anarchy, right? But anyway, but if it's just a right to protect my own property, I can't. So that's why I think the Lenafshe is a very critical question here. Yes. It is Lenafshe in this case because, I mean, antiquity should depend on her husband. Right. It directly impacts her. Right. Right. I agree. And I think that, you know, that this is, I w- but I did want to raise the question. I do think that it's pretty clear that all these questions are for yourself and not for a third party. Right. Yeah. So she is Shliak Baked In. 
and Rambam says she is in effect acting as Beit Din. So therefore, a woman can be uh, Beit Din for Dini Mamana. She <laughs> can be Shliach based in. All right, anyway. if you have... Oh, that's an interesting point. If the Rambam says that she's Dan Yechidi, I haven't thought about that. That's a good point. Because there's a Shliach shli- based on a woman could be, but the Rambam actually has you being a Dan Yechidi, the Dayan. So uh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. You have a woman here as a Dayan. Okay, there you go. All right, anyway. Her yad. <laughs> Her yad. Okay. Um, anyway, but again, I also repeat the idea about whether the Gemara is considering personal injury. If you're going to suffer personal injury and be able to recover, get compensation, to me, that would always be considered ekopseida. But it sounds like the Gemara was considering it to be a lekopseida case. Okay, Tashma. You had a, a public thoroughfare going through your field. Um, um, now, you did not want it going cutting through your field. It was, uh, you know, costing you, it, was, uh, it was costing you a loss in terms of plowing and whatever. So what you did is you seized it, and you gave them some other path at the edge of your field, which was, more, which was better for you. What you gave, you gave. But you do not get to keep your own. Um, because you, you basically you still they still have rights to the first one. But if you could be meaning now we're assuming that a swap was a legitimate swap, and the reason so they really do get the one that you gave them. But the reason is because they're going to keep on using the main one, and you can't stop them. But why can't you stop them? Okay, go ahead and take like a shovel or whatever pazra is, and sit there at the at, in front of the uh, road and hit anybody who tries to use it. Okay? <laughs> What's the problem? So, You're right. Really, you should be allowed to because you get, get a fair swap. Um, and But we're not going to let you, uh, you know, take the one that, you, that, that was going through the middle of your road because we're afraid that sometimes it won't be a fair swap. Sometimes the one you'll give them will be a roundabout path and not a straightforward path. So, therefore... We're, not, it's, we're, we're going to consider it to not be a fair swap, even if it was, and we want, and we, and they still have rights to the first one. Um, no, I'm not going to make a gzera, but the case in the brayta that's talking about is a case when you did when it was not a fair swap, and since it wasn't a fair swap, of course, the question is, it wasn't a fair swap. Why did they get the one from the side? Let it go back to the original state. We'll get to that in a minute. But if it wasn't a fair swap, you did not have a right to take their more central path. Okay, um, Ravashi Amar, Ravashi says, Anytime it is a different path from the one that you started with, it is an out-of-the-way path. Why? Some people benefit and some people lose out, right? Because, you know, anytime you move it, it's going to be more convenient for some people and less convenient for others. So there's always going to be a way in which this is less, less ideal for some people, this new path that you've given. And therefore, it is never considered to be an equivalent swap. Alright? So the Gemara says, if it wasn't an equivalent swap, and therefore it didn't count, and therefore they have the first road, why do you not, or why do they, why do do they get the rights to the, to the new thing you gave them? If the whole swap wasn't fair, then at least you should t- be able to, st- to have what you gave them, to keep what you gave them. 
So the Gemara says, Leima Lehu, say to them, Shkulu Ditchu, Vahavu Lididi. Fine. Keep the one that's yours. Give me back the thing that was always mine. Now, Mishum to Rav Yehuda. That's because of Rav Yehuda. I'm a Rav Yehuda. Meitzer Shechaziku Bo Rabim. If you have a path that was seized by the masses, Asulakalkalo, then they sort of get it by like right of imminent domain or something. So therefore, you're really stuck. Meaning, the swap didn't count, legally didn't count, so they never lost rights to the first one. But once they started using the, the one on the side, then they, they basically have acquired that as well. So you're out on both ways. Okay, but bottom line is that you, in principle though, if they were using a path they didn't have rights to, you would be able to stand at the, you know, at it and like, and you know, beat off anybody that tried to use it. Yes, Charlie. So it sounds from that interpretation that the equivalent of the halacha does not automatically guarantee you the compensation. Um... Correct. Yeah, that would be right. Exactly. They would not be compensated. Okay. So now the Gemara says like this. One last one. Tashma. Um, so you left Peah one side of your field. And they took from the other side of the field. They're both Peah. Okay. So we. So why is that? Why don't you? Why aren't you allowed to sort of use force? Same question. Go ahead and you know take a uh, a shovel and sit and present them from uh, from getting like presumably it sounds like you know they get they took what but they already took they took but now they're also allowed to take what you sort of gave them okay but when you thought they were going to take from your side of the from from the first side of the field so why is that why don't you just beat them off say hey guys you already took payer from the other side I'm not letting you take from from this stuff um, so the Gemara says I'm a rubber my approaching me the master no it doesn't mean that you really have to give them the stuff that you know they already took from side A you don't have to give them the stuff that you had left aside from side B you are allowed to protect that and to prevent them from taking it so what does it mean it's payah it means that it was momentarily payah that you you left aside side B then they seized on side A so basically as soon as they started taking pay on side A you reclaimed your stuff on side B so what does it mean that it was payah not you have to give it to them it means it had momentarily been payah and the relevance of it momentarily here been payah is that now you don't have to give Meiser from it now that you have retaken it and it's yours like we taught if you were mafkir your vineyard and then in the next morning you got up early and you reclaimed it before anybody else could take it this is the way you could get out of giving certain of the of the get of the uh, you know agricultural gifts because basically it was it was hefker for for overnight and then you reclaimed it in the morning then you still have to give all of the gifts to the poor but you're exempt from masa so I'm not going to get into psukim we learn it from but anyway that's the point here they took pay on another side of the field that somehow counts as pay even though you didn't intentionally leave it which is an interesting point you're entitled to re-seize what you left but because what you left had momentarily been paya, you now are exempt from masa but it really has nothing to do with that you're, inability, that you're not allowed to protect it so how do we paskin about all of this uh, overwhelmingly the post that we shown in Paskin okay which is sort of where all of the evidence in the Gemara was going that you are um, as I said there is interesting questions about um, about what the um 
what the logic is behind it is it about protecting my property from loss or is it about my ability to act as a dayan um, the, the Mordechai's point that all these cases in the Gemara are cases where there was a concrete object that you were protecting right is, you know makes a lot of sense in terms of that first approach and stops this thing from getting out of hand and becoming from totally anarchy where everybody can just you know steal other people's property and saying they're being compensated for some loss or for some injury um, but uh, that is an interesting question like what are the limits of it somebody asked the Rashba once at Shaila and he said um, I have to uh, I have a case in court and I know that I am obviously right I know that this guy stole my stuff but I don't have my uh, documentation am I allowed to forge documentation in order to win the case in court okay which I, I mean he wouldn't be asking the Shaila if he really was just um, a thief and a forger right. I know I'm right I just lost the documentation can I forge the documentation do we say <laughs> so the Rajpa and he guesses what the Rajpa answer <laughs> what did he say he said you gotta be crazy that completely undermines you know the, the authority of the court it turns the whole sense of din and justice and MS into a mockery right so the whole question here is even if we conceptualize this as protecting your property at what stage are you undermining the authority of the court, right? And again, some of these cases, like when, as you were pointing out, when the damage was imminent and I'm preventing damage from occurring are much more obvious that you should have a license to protect yourself from suffering damage than it is when, um, you know, than um, then actually the damage has occurred even, and your object is in somebody else's house. And again, the also very interesting thing is that you're allowed to do it even to the extent of causing inju- physical injury on somebody else's person. The question is, how far would that go, but balanced by the idea that the Gemara says, if you have ways of doing it with less force, you can't use excessive force or cause excessive damage. So it's all within certain parameters. Yes? And how do we balance this with, uh, with looking at the Gemara Levariah? I mean, especially if it's after the fact. I mean, I can understand putting out the, now we're framing it this way, it's not right. something so preempts da- damage. Right. After the fact, how do I know that you're not taking something that's not really yours? What, what do you mean? What's the scenario? Uh, I, I don't know. You, I, you, you have something in mind. I go into your hot area to get back. But, right. But isn't that almost like a little riot? What? Don't make to go to base and I have to show that that's really mine and, and taking it from your property is Right. So, oh, I see your point. So, the question is, meaning, obviously, you go ahead and you break my teeth in order to retrieve something, right? I can now take you to court and sue you for personal injury, and you would have to prove that, you would have to bring evidence that that object was yours. But once you brought evidence that that object was yours, you wouldn't have to pay me for breaking my teeth. I mean, you're right. The act of, that's an important point, the act of seizing it doesn't prove that it was your property. The evidence in the means that you're allowed to act to cause injury to the person or injury to the person's property if you need to in order to retrieve it but you're in, you might but you in the end could be sued and will have to prove that you were acting properly right so that's a, that is a really important point yes thank you for raising that but then it becomes my then it becomes me the injured party who has to sue you and right and you now are in ba- you're now whole already right so you, so the kircha is now essentially on me right you know but anyway but yes you will have to you, you, you yes this doesn't uh, remove the necessity of proving that you're right if you do get brought to court but what it does do is it gives you license to do what you need to do in order to get the object back. Okay, so Mishnah. Mishnah Karabir Shuta Rabim. The uh, picture broke in Rishus Arabim. 
Somebody slipped on the water. So essentially, you made a bore in Rosh because your picture broke and it spilled in Rosh Hashanah. Or somebody got injured on the shard of the uh, pitcher. Okay, Chayev. You're Chayev. You made a bore in Rosh Hashanah. So one question is going to be, what negligence did you have in making the bore, in, in making this bore? How, right? What was the, you know, how did your picture break? Were you negligent or not? Are you Chayev even if your bore was made by Onus? Okay, that's one question. But it's clear it's a type of a bore. It seems to be. He seems to say, you're not Chayev in all cases. Is intentionally what's intentionally you really try to break it anyway intentionally you're chayiv unintentionally you're exempt why does that mean a degree of negligence anyway we will see okay so it seems to be bore let's see what the Gemara says what we are talking about is you slipped in the water and your nice silk dress got uh, stained in the water but if you slipped in the water and banged your head on the ground then if it's injury that happened to you yourself you're exempt why is that? because you were only injured by the ground you weren't injured by my boar now okay so there's going to be two important issues that are going on here alright one question is were you did you were you master the water or not? Rav is of the opinion you might remember this going back to the first parak that if you are, that if you have a physical object of yours in the Rishit HaRabim that somebody trips over that you own the object he considers that to be a shore not a bore my people might remember that okay whereas Shmuel says no whether you own it or you don't own it it's a bore now the reason that that is relevant is for the following case, issue one case is what is it is that a bore is chayev is putter if it causes damage to vessels it's only chayev if it causes injury to a person or, or injury or injury or death of an animal but it's putter if it causes damage to vessels that's a bore so if it's a shore this object because you still own it you're chayev if it causes damage to vessels so Rav says the guy's shirt got damaged okay so it, it, the only way the shirt he could be chayev for the shirt being damaged is if he considers this to be a shore if it's a bore it's exempt if we're causing damage to a person's objects. You guys with me here? Yes? Okay. So number one is, if we're talking about the vessels being damaged, he has to conceptualize it as a shore. That's one question. But here's another question. The other question is, when I am Chaya for digging my bore, okay, normally, what would you imagine happens? Here's this guy, he's walking, la da 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 he trips, he falls, right? Okay, there you go. He gets hurt. He bangs himself on the ground. That's Karka Olam, right? He's banging himself on the floor of the ground on the ground. So you would assume that the obligation for Boar is causing a causing a stumbling block, a hazard, even though the person the injury occurs by you know, by the, just the simple ground. Okay? So therefore it should be the same if I put a thing there and he walks on it and he trips and his face hits the ground. It's also karka olam. But basically, a boar is causing a stumbling block and then he hits himself on the ground. Now, that is not necessarily 
how Bohr is understood. Um, f- first of all, even in the case of the Karka Olam here, it was a certain, it was certain, it was a type of a Karka Olam that you created. Like you sort of created that type of a ground with that depth, that closet, etc. As opposed to here, the ground was always here, you just put a stumbling block. Okay? Also, the Gemara is going to have an opinion that the Chiv here by a Bohr is not for hitting the ground, but it's a, it's a very weird idea. It's, a, it's the Hevel. It's like the heavy air in the bore is why you're high of, but not the actual hitting of the ground. So that's all very complicated, and we're going to see that later. But what you have to know for now is that since here, you didn't even dig the, dig the ground in which he's hitting. He's hitting ground that was always there. You just put the stumbling block. You just put the water. So Rav is saying is, you're not high of if he hits the ground. Your thing, he has to be damaged on your thing itself. So if he slips, and the water, I don't know, gets into his face and causes him to choke or something, you'd be high because the water is doing the damage. But it's very unlikely that the water does damage to the person. So therefore, since Rav is saying you're only chayav, if the water itself, the thing itself damages the, the, the person, the most reasonable thing is that it's not that he was damaged, but that his shirt was damaged, right? His vessels were damaged. But then that has to be a type of a shore. So Rav says, this is a shore, if the guy trips and falls, then it's sort of like... Now, you might think that I'd be chayv in this case. Here's an ox. like my ox. Those are the horns. It pushes this guy over, and then he falls, and he doesn't get gored by it, but he falls because of the impact of hitting the ground. The ox pushes him, and he hits the floor. You were, I would think that you should be chayv, right? Mm-hmm. But no, Rob is saying, no. If the shore directly did not injure the guy, he got hit by the ground, then he's exempt. So this thing is a shore, because you own it. You trip over it. You hit the ground. You're exempt. The guy's exempt. He's only chayev by direct damage that the shore does. So that would be that the water stains the clothes. That's the way Rav reads the case. Yes. Is there any, is there any thought about soros or like indirect damage from a from an ob- yeah, so, I mean, it's an interesting... Well, first of all, mm, you mean, why isn't that like a type of a throwers of Karen? I mean, it's a little different. It's like a direct contact, and then the injury happened later. But, yeah, I, I, I hear that. Yeah. What? Oh, so that's an interesting question of what type of a shore is this? Is it regular, but then you'd be Pater and Rosh Sarabim? So Tosal sort of says it's some type of a generic shore, some common denominator of regular and Karen. That's also, that's a question we had a while back. Yeah. Okay, yes. It seems like all these categories are, are like avoiding the issue of like how did the guy get there? What do you mean? In other words, he got there because somebody was negligent. Right. I mean, the ground doesn't do something to anybody. Right, 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 right. I understand. That, so that, so... The whole idea of, you know, the first of, of all these prakim about Arba Avos Nezikin is that it's not just a question of who was negligent. It has to be negligence operating within these formal categories. And that can be frustrating, I understand. But, you know, uh, law in general, but if you just have a general question of negligence, it's also a very abstract and hard to pinpoint. So here, it operates within identifying these sort of concrete categories. You know, so even if, yes, you, the guy was negligent, that's not enough to say that he's of You know, even though the guy who put it here was to blame, that's not enough of a basis for he to be guided. It seems like in, in this specific case, 
the property is more important than the person. Well, not more important. I mean, it's the just the circumstances. Not more important. The circumstances. If this wasn't water, if this was a knife, and the person tripped on it, and the knife actually directly injured him, you'd be high of. It's just the circumstances are such that the person isn't injured by the water. Okay, he's injured by the ground. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. So that's what he says. Ki amri kami When I said it to Shmuel, amri michti. No, those are a bore. So the water is a bore, whether you own it or don't own it. The By a board says that an ox or a person gets damaged. An ox means, I mean, an ox or a donkey gets damaged. An ox, and not a person, meaning a person who dies. And a vessel, you're not high in a bore. So if the water is a bore, we're not talking that your clothes got damaged. Your clothes you'd be exempt on. The honey just to clarify, we need katala. The fact that you're exempt in a bore for a person is if a person dies. If a person is injured, then for injury, a person, you're for injury to a person, but you're exempt for injury to vessels. Because the Gemara says, by vessels it says, it says, um, it says, um, you know, Shvirasan Zohini Sasan. When a vessel is injured, it's dead. Like, you know, it doesn't have these different degrees. It's like it's not usable anymore. Okay? So you're exempt for killing people, but you're chayev for injury, and you're exempt for, I'm sorry, sorry, you're exempt for killing people, but you're chayev for injuring them, and you're exempt for all damage to vessels. So this water is a bore, and therefore, obviously we're not talking about that your, your, your shirt was damaged, you'd be exempt. The Rav, now Rav would say back, no, if you, if you made it hefter, you ownerless the water, or the, or the stone, or the knife, or whatever, then it's a bore, and then you're exempt on vessels. If you did not make it ownerless, then it is, it's still your money, and it's a type of a shore. Okay? So Rav says, you're chayef for, the, for, for damaging the guy's shirt, and Shmuel says that you're putter for damaging the guy's shirt. Now, one minute. If Shmuel says you're putter for damaging the guy's shirt, it's a type of a bore, the only thing that you're left with here to be chayef for is what? According to Shmuel. So you slipped on the water, the water is a bore, you're, you're exempt for any dam- water damage it did to his shirt. So what are you chayef for? What does the Mishnah say you're chayef for? What, what type of damage? What, what's the only damage we could be talking about? to the person right so Shmuel so it's a double argument Shmuel says this is a bore even though you own it it's a bore and therefore he has to explain the Mishnah that Yechaya when the guy hits the ground so Shmuel says even if the bore causes you to trip but the damage occurred on the ground not with the water itself you're still going to be Chayev so there's a double debate right Rav says Rav says this is a shore. Rav says this is a shore. And Shmuel says this is a bore. And then because Rav says it's a shore, here he says you're going to be, for the guy who hit the ground, he's going to say you're exempt because it's karka olam. Karka olam. Whatever. And Shmuel's going to say you're going to be chayev. Okay? So how do you treat the thing, a shore or a boar? And Rav, who says it's a shore, says you're chayev for the clothes, so you're exempt for the person. Shmuel, who says it's a boar, says you're putter for the clothes, and you're going to be chayev for the damage to the person, even though he hid himself outside of the object itself. All right? Um, let's just, should we end here? Um, let's read that. We can't just read two more, like, just a few more sentences quickly. So, okay. Masivavoshayev. Um, Nabushamashoro Chamor. Shorvelo Adam Chamorvelo Kaleen. Mikan Amru. 
If an ox and its vessels fell into it, and he stopped when the vessels broke, or a donkey and its saddlebags, and they tore, you're high for the damage to the animal, and exempt for the damage to the vessels. So the Gemara says, um, I'm sorry, the Brighton continues, what is this like? Like leaving your stone or your knife in which should have robbed him. And they did damage. So the Gemara says, It's not like the, a, a pit is like a rock and a knife. The pit is the case in the Torah. It's that the rock and the knife are like the pit. So the Gemara says, fine. What would be similar to the case of the pit? A stone or a knife that was left in Shetra Rabim did damage. Okay, so those are cases of boar. If you broke your vessels on a rock that somebody left in Rishus Arabim, then the person is chayev for the damage. Now, that's unstrange. Because yeah. we said it was a boar, and we said a boar is exempt by vessels, and now we said, if it got damaged on the rock, you're going to be chayev. So the Gemara says, Reish The beginning is difficult to rav. Why? Because the beginning said that the stone and the knife or whatever is a type of a boar. And Rav would say, it's a sure. Okay? Safe for Kashul Shmuel, but the end is difficult to Shmuel because the end says that you're high of when the thing breaks on the rock, even though Shmuel would say that that's a boar and you should be exempt. So the Gemara says, The thing is self-contradictory. The beginning it sounds like it's a boar, this rock, and you should be exempt on vessels. And the end it says that you're chayev on vessels with the rock. So the bright is a real problem. Each one explains it their way. Rav's read is going to be the better one. When is your stone, your rock, or your knife, or your bag a Bore when it's Kishis Kiran, when you were Maskir then. Of a Loi's Kiran, if you retained ownership, Chayef, then it's going to be a, a sure and you'll be Chayef for vessels. Therefore, if it breaks on a stone that you weren't Maskir, you're Chayef. For Rav, it's easy. Half the brighter could be the boar, right, when you didn't Maskir it, and that's when it compares it to a boar. And when it says you're Chayef for, for vessels, that's a sure when you, when you, when you retained ownership. Okay, Vishmuel Matarit Shmuel explains according to his reasoning. Now that we said Avno Sakina Masar was like a boar, whether you own it or don't own it, Rabbi Yehuda, the Mechayev, Al Niske Kalim Babor, for Rabbi Yehuda, that says, there's a position of Rabbi Yehuda that says that a boar, you do pay for breaking vessels. Then you'd be Chayev if your stuff broke on a rock. And so it's a very bad read. It's saying, like, oh, by the way, if you're Chayev for, for vessels, you're Chayev for vessels. You know, it has nothing to do with the special case of it being the rock. Okay, but anyway, we have a bright to hear that basically we have the debate of, there's two debates of Rav and Shmuel. One is a very interesting thing if you got pushed by a shore, trip over a boar, and injure yourself on the ground, are you chayev or not? Rav says your Patr Shmuel says you're chayev. But the earlier debate is, what is the nature of this water or the stone or the rock that you still own? Rav says it's a boar, and therefore you could be chayev for damage to the vessels. 
And Shmuel, I'm sorry, Rav says it's a shore, and therefore you can be high for damage to the clothes and damage to the vessels, and Shmuel says it's a bore. And that then obviously forces them to interpret the mission in a particular way. And we end with this bright to here, this bright, this last bright that we saw, seems to say both. Seems to say it's a bore, and then you're high with vessels. So Rav says it's a bore when you don't own it, it's a shore when you do own it. Shmuel says it's always a bore, and the stuff that says at the end that you're high for vessels is a position that you're high for vessels in a bore. Okay, but that's obviously a harder read in the bright. Uh, all right, we will end with.